All right, Jabosai, good, good morning, good morning. Let us begin. First, I want to thank uh, Rokamal Akiba for giving a uh, beautiful shoe yesterday. And let's begin again also by thanking all of our, all of our sponsors. So to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan. To thank Naftali and Chavi Tilson from Eretz Yisrael for dedicating the Shemin Drashos this month. In, in gratitude to Benjamin Waller of Naftali Schaber for introducing him to the Dafyomi. May Hashem bless us all to finish the Dafyomi cycle together and celebrate with the Siyum together in Eretz Yisrael. Amen. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for Sivan, Baruch Mary and Rina Dubin. May Hashem continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael and may all of our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and to Hashem's Torah. Beautiful. To thank our Week of Learning sponsor, Mrs. Selma Wolf for a Fushlima for her grandson Kobe Rothberg, Yaakov Zev Ben Sivya Devora, and to thank our Dafyomi sponsor today, Baruch Fischl and Sonia Kozlovsky and family, in commemoration of the seventh yard site of Baruch's, Baruch Fischl's father, Leon Kozlovsky, Aryeh Ben Baruch Zichron Levracha. So probably most of you don't know, but Mr. Kozlovsky Zichron Levracha was uh, a charter member of the Shul Dafyomi. When I say charter member, He's kind of started it, you know, so uh, and looped, looped me in together with a couple of his chaverim, all, all of those individuals who were udim mutzal me'ish, sparks that were saved from the fire of, uh, of the Holocaust and individuals who went on with incredible strength and courage to be able to rebuild their lives. Good? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Is that a little better? Yeah. Oh, I should hold it the whole time? Well, come on, come on, you know, i so we hope that in merits Hashem, in the merits of our Talmud Torah, Mr. Kozlovsky's and Shem Shadav and Aliyah, and the family in the Chama. And also with that, let us begin. Let us begin. So we have an incredible daf. It's more like a dafala. You know, it's a little, uh, it's a dafala today, you know. So two lines. Are also, so we're picking up on the bottom of Nun Hei Amud Beis. So remember again, as Rav Kalman Akiva began the Sugya yesterday, we saw in the Mishnah an interesting machlokas. And that machlokas revolved around how many stands there are. Remember again, we have two groupings of blood. We have Dam Asoyer, Dam Hapar, right? The blood of the goat. Remember again, that was part of the, there are two, the two Seirim. The one is the Seir Lashem, the one is the Seir Lazazel. We have not focused on the Seir Lazazel. That'll be a separate sugya. And then there is the Dam Hapar. So remember again, both of them are pretty much treated identically, meaning there are the Hazos, the sprinkling inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and the sprinkling on the curtain outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So the way the Mishnah read Tanakama's view was that there were two different stands. One stands for the Dam HaSoyer, one stands for the Dam HaPar. Rabbi Huda held that no, there was only one stand. And his logic behind saying there was only one stand was Rabbi Huda's logic was essentially you were always using one of those bloods, right? You, you were always using it. So therefore, again, there was really never a time where you needed both of the receptacles, both of the Mizrakos, both of the bowls containing the blood to be placed down simultaneously. Therefore, there was really only a need for, for, one, for one Mizrak, for one, um, I'm sorry, for one, for one stand. So I will say, this led to another discussion. This led to another discussion just about, in general, Regarding the halacha, regarding the halacha of why not? Oh, well, let's go take a step back. The Gemara then highlighted the idea that perhaps going to Yehuda, there was a concern regarding regarding um, confusion. To which the Gemara said, "Well, you can go ahead and take care of confusion by how 
by labeling the different stands. So I will say this then led to a conversation regarding Breira, retroactive clarification. And the Gemara posited that Rabbi Huda does not hold of the concept of Breira. So that's what we're picking up with today. So the Gemara says, take a look. The, the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda, less lay Breira, four lines up from the bottom, non hamid base. And Rabbi, Rabbi Huda does not hold of Breira, minalon. From where do we know that? So the Gemara says, So maybe you'll say from the following. So listen to this. So a person goes ahead and purchases wine from the Kusim. So you heard a little bit about this in last week's, in yesterday's year. So remember again, the Kusim, we've dealt with them. I, th- I believe that we deal with the Kusim in almost every single Nesechta in, in one way or another. So remember again, the Kusim were a group of individuals resettled from Kusa put into Eretz Yisrael by Shalmaneser, the king of Ashur, who had a, a very smart military strategy, which was if you want to go ahead and conquer nations and prevent them from rebelling, so uproot them from their indigenous land, put them somewhere else, because if people are settled on an alien land, they're much, they're much less likely to revolt. So he goes ahead and resettles these Kusim in Eretz Yisrael. The problem was the Kusim were worshipping idolatry. As a result, there was an outbreak of lions, which is obviously not the norm in Eretz Yisrael. And so they went ahead and they went ahead and they converted. But there's a whole shayla of Gere Arayos, Gere Emes. Not Arayos with an ayin, immorality, but Gere Arayos with an olive, lions. Was their conversion a legitimate conversion or not? So this was the fundamental shiloh when it comes to the kusim. Is it just that they, they convert in order to go ahead and, and, and escape the plague of lions? Or was there a general conversion, a general commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? To further complicate this, they were found to be worshipping idolatry even after their conversion, which cast even more, which cast even more doubt upon the legitimacy of their conversion in general. So, you know, in, in Hilchus Gerus, there's a lot of interesting discussion, halachic literature, regarding if someone converts and then is found what they call a Ger Shechazer Lesuro. person converts and then kind of returns to their previous ways after their conversion. Does that automatically invalidate the conversion or not? This is a whole discussion about this in any event. So when it comes to the Kusim, there's a general... There's a general ambiguity, or ambiguity is the wrong word. There's a general doubt as to what exactly we do with them. So the Gemara says over here, so therefore, if you were to go ahead and purchase wine from Kusim, in general, you would retithe it. You would retithe it because you have to assume that unfortunately, again, Kusim are not vigilant with the halachos of Trumas and Maestras, which would require you once again to retide the wine. So here is the situation. You bought, you bought wine from Kusim. But what happened now? The Gemara says, and it is Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos in Chashecha. Here's the Bible. So you are not permitted to tithe on Shabbos. Why are you not permitted to tithe on Shabbos? So remember again, it's Tikkun Mana. Ultimately, So the idea is that it rep- you are doing something constructive, which resembles a Malacha. So it's Dirabanon, it's not Doraisa, but one is not permitted to separate out tithes on Shabbos. So what do you do? The problem is you want to drink this wine. You can't drink it without tithing it. So what do you do? So the Gemara says, Omeid Omer. Say, say as follows. So two Lugin that I will separate at a future date. When is that future date? When is that future date? Matzah Shabbos. Matzah Shabbos, right? It just, just means not now. And if so two look and then I'll separate will be, will be Truma, Tapov Nunvav, 
first line of of Nun Vav. <laughs> so the Gemara says, Asara Maiser Rishon. It's right, ten Lugin ultimately again will be Maiser Rishon. Tisha Maiser Sheni. Nine Lugin will be Maiser Sheni. Umechel Vishose Miyad Divrei Rabbi Meir. So what's Rabbi Meir's of the opinion? That Allah you can go ahead and allocate different parts of the wine, ultimately again to go ahead and satisfy your tithing obligations, even though you're not separating anything right now. Those allocations allow you to go ahead and drink the wine at this moment and move on. Those words, Rabbi Meir, Ahmed Bez, Rabbi Hudom, Rabbi, sorry, Rabbi Hudom, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon Osrin, Rabbi Hudom, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon ultimately, again, say that it is Asr. Now, both say, now, before we go on, the Gemara presupposes that this is a machlokes of Breira. That's why the Gemara says, Alma in Breira. And the Gemara is assuming that what this machlokes is as follows. Rabbi Meir holds that on Erev Shabbos, you can go ahead, or even on Shabbos itself, you can go ahead and say, the two Lugan that I'm going to separate from this barrel. Now, interestingly enough, there's a whole discussion. This, this Gemara appears, actually, we quote it over here, the Mizrasha quotes it from Gittin and from Baba Kama. So in different places, sometimes there's a mentioning of a particular side of the barrel. But again, it's not really important for our discussion. Rabbi Meir holds it like this, that you can go ahead and actively allocate which portions are going to be Truma, Maiserishon, Maisersheni, and then on Matzi Shabbos or Sunday, when you go ahead and you separate out, it turns out that what? Turns out that what? Retroactively, it is clarified that that which you separated on Matzi Shabbos was really what? That which you designated on Shabbos itself. That's the concept of Breda. So what Breda says is, something, so I, I do something now which is ambiguous, but later on I clarify it, and later on when I clarify it, it becomes retroactively clarified to the point of the initial designation. So according to Rabbi Meir, Shabbos, when you go and actively separate out the Truma, the Maiserishon, the Maisershini, it turns out that the portions you're designating on Matzi Shabbos were the actual portions that you designated beforehand on Shabbos. That's called retroactive clarification Breira. So the Gemara assumes that Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon, who says that this process do not work, does not work, reject the notion of Breira. So the Gemara is presupposing that this is a machlokas of Yesh Breira or Ein Breira, to which the Gemara says, maybe not, maybe not. Mimai, Dilma, Shiny Hasam, Kediktani Taima. We'll say perhaps over here, even if you would normally hold the Breira, Rabbi Huda doesn't like this for a different reason. Why doesn't he like this? So the Gemara says, Amul Rabbi Meir, Iatamoda. Shema Yibake Hanod Benimtsa Shosa Tvalum Lemafreya. Sirabo said, listen to this. Rabbi Huda says, no, I have no problem with Breira. I hold the Breira as well. I hold that you can engage retroactive clarification. I have a different issue over here. What's my different issue? It's very nice. You're going to sit here on Shabbos. You're going to designate this amount for my Sarishan, this amount for my Sarshani, this amount for Truma. Fantastic. But what could happen? What could happen? The barrel breaks. The barrel breaks. What happens if the, so let's, let's analyze this. So now you're standing Shabbos, you make these designations. You make Kiddush a first time, a second time, right? If it's a good Shabbos, a tenth time. And what happens? And what happens? The barrel breaks. The barrel says, what happens when the barrel breaks now? What happens, when the barrel, what happens when the barrel breaks? It turns out that what? You drank Tevo. It turns out that you drank untithed produce. Because halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, 
you now went ahead, it, not, 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 not intentionally, not intentionally, but just the Mitzitis is such that if that barrel of wine is not around by the time Matzah Shabbos comes, it turns out that you can never go in and properly separate out those tithes. And therefore, it turns out that you went and you drank Tevel. So I said, this is incredible. So Rabbi Yehuda is saying, I accept the concept of Breira, but I think you're just playing with fire over here because the barrel could break. I, so what does Rabbi Meir respond to that? They both say, this is incredibly profound. Va'amr lahem, and ultimately, again, Rabbi Meir responds, l'chishayi bokeh. Rabbi Meir says, let's worry about barrel breakage when it breaks. Let's worry about it when it happens. Take a look at Rashi, tap Rashi, l'chishayi bokeh. Nochush when the barrel breaks, we'll worry about it. Kilomar, lo chayshinan l'shema yi bokeh. De'efshar l'masalei l'shomer. Rabbi Meir says, you can't go through life worrying that the barrel will break. Right? Right? Mary says, when the barrel breaks, we'll deal with it. So we'll say, you understand what's happening over here. Such a profound life machlokas. You know, in general, when you embark upon something in life, it's always good to do your risk analysis. Right? So what are the risks involved in any particular endeavor? But there's a challenge with that. What's the challenge? Is that you could analyze the risk, and if you truly analyze the risk with any given course of action, often the only logical result is inaction. Inaction. Because everything comes with a risk. And so, the sh- you know, there's this, we've talked about this many times, there's this incredible phrase of analysis paralysis, right? You can analyze any situation to the point that you paralyze yourself. That there simply doesn't make sense to act because there are so many risks. I'll, say, I'll just say very quickly, then we'll have to go on. There, the, the, to me, the, the story that best captures this particular issue is when we know the famous Gimar Masechus Barachas, where Rabbi Lozav ben Azariah was approached to go ahead and be the Reish Mesivta, to be the Rashi Shiva. And he goes to his wife, they approach him, and he says, I have to speak with my wife. And his wife says, essentially, are you crazy? Right, what's the matter with you? Because remember again, this is right in the aftermath of the story of Rabbi Gamliel. They had, dispo- they had disposed, they had deposed, right, Rabbi Gamliel from his position. And so his wife says to him, why in a million years would you ever touch this position? Look at what they did to the guy before you. Right? That's usually a pretty good indicator if you should take a, do- take a job. What happened to your predecessor? Right, what happened to the person before, especially in claw work, right? What happened to the person before you? Right, so his wife said to him, are you crazy? And furthermore, she said, also, you're 18 years old. Remember again, so Rabbi Loza ben Azariah says the most incredible answer. He says, Mutov, he says, it is better to use the Zugisa, the, coast, the, the cup of fine crystal today, even though it's going to break, than to never lose it at all. What Rabbi Loza ben Azariah was saying was, I recognize and I'm fully cognizant of the risks associated with this position. And if I was a betting man, Rabbi Elizabeth Nazario says, I would bet it's not going to last too long, even though it did. Right? I would bet it's not going to last too long. But when an opportunity comes, sometimes you have to take it. And you can't worry about all the things which can go wrong in life. And I both say, isn't this the greatest challenge in life? To know when to say the risk is too high and therefore better idea to pass or to say, I recognize the risks, but at the end of the day, the opportunity is here, and I just simply have to seize it. So I say, see what's happening over here in this Mach Lokas, are you choshesh for the barrel bursting, right? Are you choshesh for barrel breakage? 
So Rabbi Yehuda says, yes, you have to be choshesh or bowel breakage. Therefore, you can't go and allocate different parts for trumas and maestras on Shabbos because maybe by the time you come along to separating it, you may come to go and have no barrel left at all. To which Rabbi Meir will respond, how about we deal with barrel breakage when it happens? Let's deal with it when it happens. You can't spend your life worrying what if. You can't spend your life trying to foresee every single thing that can go wrong. Because if you end up doing that, you have no wine. If you end up doing that, you have no opportunities. If you end up doing that, you have no life. I, what happens if the barrel breaks? We'll worry about it then. Incredible. So we'll say, so, but one second, but let's go back now. But we just said before that Rabbi Huda doesn't hold the Breira. So where do we see that Rabbi Huda doesn't hold the Breira? To which the Gemara says, here we go. Elo meditani ayo. Rather, we see that Rabbi Huda does not hold the concept of, of Breira. From Ayo, the Tani Ayo, because Ayo said, Rabbi Huda Omer, Ein Adam Masna Al Shnei Dvarim Ke'acher, Rabbi said a little bit of Chazara from our Erevin days. Rabbi Huda holds that you cannot make, now literally what this means is you cannot stipulate regarding two things like one. So we'll see what this means in just a moment. Elo, in Ba'chacham Lemizrach, Eruva Lemizrach, right? Lemayrav, Eruva Lemayrav. Avalukan Ulukan Lo. So Rabbi said, let's analyze this case for just a moment. Take a look at Rashi. So remember again, back to, back to our Erev Tchumen days. So remember again, you have 2,000 Amas from your domicile in any direction you want on Shabbos. But however, what can you do? You could create an Erev Tchumen. What does the Erev Tchumen do, Abbasai? Essentially, you can establish your domicile somewhere within 2,000 Amas of your original domicile and extend your Erev Tchumen another 2,000 Amas. And again, for a Jew, home is where? Your food is, right? Very simple. Right? By, by the nations of the world, home is where your heart is. Right? For us, it's home is where your food is. Home is where your food is. So, okay, so ultimately, again, you can extend your domicile a little bit by placing food within 2,000 Amas original location. Now, both say, the Gemara is dealing with a very interesting situation. In this case over here, I want to make two Erev Tchumens. Right? And now, okay, well, one more piece, I'm sorry. Now remember, if you don't make an Erev, if you don't make an Erev Tchumen, you have 2,000 Amas in what direction? All directions. The moment you make an Erev Tchumen and extend your Tchum in one direction, what happens? You lose your Tchum in every other direction. So we'll say it's an incredible, it's an incredible Yisod. No Erev, you get 2,000 Amas in any given direction. You make an Erev, you gain, you gain incredible amount in one direction, but lose, but lose mobility in every other direction. So now watch this. So look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. So we'll say, here's what you want to do in this case. I want to make an Eruv to the east and to the west. Now why am I making an Eruv? Because there are two scholars in residence who are coming to town. Two Tamidi Chum coming to town. Now we'll say, I know Rabbi A is coming from the east, Rabbi B is coming from the west. I don't know whose shir I want to go to. I don't know whose shir I want to go to. So what do I want to do? I want to make an Erev Tchumen in both directions. And that way, whoever shir I want to go to tomorrow, I'll have the ability to do so. So the Gemar, It doesn't work. You cannot make a rhythm like that. Lefi, Shekhnias, Erev Ben Hashemoshasi. Because they'll say, why? 
the way Erev Tchumen works is Halabosai, that you establish your domicile when? Ben Hashmoshes. Right? Friday evening, Twilight Friday. So therefore, case number one is where there are two Tamidi Chachamim coming into town. One from the east, one from the west. I have a great trap. I'm going to make a conditional Eruv in both directions. And then tomorrow I'll decide whose shear I want to go to, and that will be the Erev that will be activated. So the Gemara says, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Now, interestingly enough, what does work? Let's say there's one Tamut Chacham coming into town, right? Coming to give a shear, one skull in residence. And uh, what's the issue? Well, I, want, I know I want to go hear him, but what's the problem? I don't know if he's coming from the east or from the west. So what do I do? I set up an Erev to the east and an Erev to the west. And ultimately what? Whichever direction he comes, I'll use that Erev. Interestingly enough, that does work. That does work. So once I see the two cases, in case number one, two Talmidi Chachamim coming in from the east and the west. I don't know who I want to hear. I don't know who I want to hear yet. So therefore, I'll decide tomorrow, and that'll activate the Erev. The Gemara says, that doesn't work. But yet, if one Talmud Chacham is coming in, but I just don't know which direction he's coming in for. So same thing. I'm making Erev to the east, Erev to the west. That does work. Well we'll, well, we'll explain why that is in just a moment. But finish the Rashi. Rashi says, however, however, again, but there's only one Tam coming into town. I just don't know which direction he's coming in. If he comes in from the east, I say, well, my Erev to the east to work. So we'll say, now let's come back to the Gemara for just a moment. So how are we going to prove that Rabbi Huda does not subscribe, does not hold of the concept of Breira? Retroactive clarification. Here it is. We'll say back to the Gemara. The Tani Ayo. Rabbi Huda Omer. A person cannot stipulate regarding two things like one. But rather, again, the Chacham comes to the east, his Erev is to the east. If he comes to the west, the Chacham is to the west. But again, if I know that the Tamidi Chacham, two Tamidi Chachamim are coming to town, one from the east, one from the west, on Erev Shabbos, I set up an Erev in both directions. But I, don't, I haven't decided yet who I want to go and see. And I say to myself, I'm going to go ahead and decide on Shavuos who I'm going to see. That doesn't work. Why not, says the Gemara? Because ultimately, again, because Rabbi Huda holds ain't Breira. Therefore, you can't rely on retroactive clarification. And therefore, it doesn't work. The Gemara says, one second. Let, let me get this straight. So you're telling me, if I made two Eruvim, one to the east, one to the west. Why? Because there are two Tamidi Chachamim coming in, one to the east, one to the west. I haven't yet decided who I want to go and hear. So therefore, again, Shabbos morning comes along. I decide I want to go to Rabbi, Rabbi A in the west. I choose to activate my Erev Tchumen in the west. It doesn't work. doesn't work. Why not? Why doesn't it work? Embreira. Embreira. No retroactive clarification. But yet, yet, right, what's the second case? The second case is, there's one Talmud Chacham coming in. But what? What's the problem? 
I don't know which direction. It's the same thing. I set up two Yerushim, one to the east, one to the west. Oh, I hear Shabbos morning. He's in the west. So what happens? What happens? That works. I can go to the west now to go ahead and hear, hear the shear. But one second. Why should that work? The Gemara says, We asked about this. So the reason you told me that the case, the two Tamidichacham coming in, one to the east, one to the west, that it doesn't work, that it doesn't work is why? Because the Embreira, the Mizrach, the Mayra, Nami Embreira. But I don't understand the Gemara. I don't understand the distinction between the two cases. It's the same halachic principle. In other words, the halachic principle by the two Tamidichacham coming into the east and west is Breira. The principle of one Tamid Chacham coming in, but I'm not sure if it came from the east to the west, I make two Eruvim, also relies on what? Breira. So why is it that in the case of two Tamid Chachamim, you're telling me, ain't Breira, but yet in the case of one Tamid Chacham, I can activate the Eruv on Shabbos, and it becomes retroactively clarified that the Eruv I activate on Shabbos morning is the Eruv I decided to activate on Erev Shabbos. Why is that's also Breira? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, u'kshekvar ba'chacham. It's supposed to be very interesting. The case of the one time Chacham says it's not a Brera case. It's not a Brera case. Rather, what was it about? Say, here's what's fascinating. The Tam Chacham already came to town on Erev Shabbos. He already came to town. He was already in town. What was the problem? What was the problem? I didn't know. See, I said, what Brera says, what Brera says is like this. Brera says that there are, there are things that are unknown now that will become known later on. And when you go ahead and you clarify them later on, we could go ahead and essentially retroactively backdate that knowledge to the point of the original event. So therefore, I'll say, for example, in the Kisa Tutamidi Chachamim, right, Rabbi A and Rabbi B, one is coming from the East, one is coming from the West. So I don't know who I want to go and see. I make two Eruvim, and the truth is, I'll decide Shabbos morning. Now, can, we'll say, can you make two Eruvim? Can you make two Eruv Tchumim, one to the east, one to the west? Can you do that? Yeah. No. No. We'll say, sorry. Right, right, right. right. What, right. Remember again, why not? Why not? Because remember again, remember, the way Eruv Tchumim works is you have the ability to extend your Tchum, but only in one direction. Right? We'll say, I want to be clear about this. You can only extend your Tchum in one direction. And remember again, in the case of the two Rabbanim who are coming in, my intention, I know I'm only going to use one direction. What's my problem? What's my problem? I don't know which one I want to use. So I will say, in that case, what I'm saying is like this. I know Rabbi A is coming from the east. Rabbi B is coming from the west. But what's the problem here? What's the problem? I don't know whose shir I want to go to. So what do I do? On Erev Shabbos, I make two Eruvim. One to the east, one to the west. I know then what can't I do? Well, I know what can't I do? I can't use both. Right? I have commitment issues. I've been told that before, right? I have commitment issues. And therefore, again, I'm just, I'm non-committal on Erev Shabbos who I want to go to. I want to decide on Shabbos morning. So Shabbos morning comes along and I decide that what? I'm going to the east. I'm going to Rabbi A in the east. So now Rabbi Huda says, what's that? It doesn't work. Why? Because in order for you to use the Erev in the East, what has to happen? You have to rely on the principle of Breira. 
Abreira, right? Because Abreira says, okay, wonderful. Now Shabbos morning at uh, 10 o'clock, because he just woke up, right? At 10 o'clock, right? So now Shabbos morning, 10 o'clock, I just decided that I'm going ahead and going to the east. And that's great. So now Abreira would say, now it's been retroactively clarified that the real Erev you made on Erev Shabbos was ultimately again, was ultimately, by the way, Rabbi A at 10 o'clock was at Chabad. I just want to point out. It was at Chabad, just uh, not casting, right? Which is on time. Right, so, we'll say, so, so, so again, so again, so what happens? So, so now, so now it turns out Shabbos morning when I decide about Rabbi A in the East, it turns out retroactive clarification that the Eruv that I made to the East on Erev Shabbos was the real Eruv. Rabbi Huda says, doesn't work. Breira. Okay, so I, say, so I just want to point out, so stop here for just a moment. This is the proof that Rabbi Huda does not subscribe to the concept of Breira. But here's the problem. What's case number two? Case number two, I will say, is there, there is one Talmud Chacham coming in. One Talmud Chacham coming in. I don't know, is he coming from the east? Is he coming from the west? So what do I do, Shab- what do I do, Arab Shabbos? What do I do? Same thing, to Eruvim. To Eruvim, one to the east, one to the west. Shabbos morning, I hear, oh, he's coming to the east. Fantastic. I will say, now even Rabbi Huda agrees that that works, but I don't understand. Isn't that also Breira? It's the same thing, that's Breira also. Yet in case one of the two Tamidicham, Rabbi Huda says it doesn't work. In case two of the one Tamid Chacham, Rabbi Huda says it does work. So the next thing says, Vabinan ba, I don't understand. Maishna le kana le kana de ain breira. Le mizrachal le mayra of nami ain breira. But say kana le kana is the case of the two rabbis. You told me that doesn't work because ain breira. But the case of the one rabbi is also breira. So why should that work? So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Ukishekvar ba chacham. Both said this is incredible. The case over here is where what? Where halacha lemaisa, the Talmud Chacham already came on Erev Shabbos. See, I say, what Breira is, is at the time that Shabbos starts, the crucial piece of information is not yet known. It becomes known later on, and then Breira says you can retroactively apply the knowledge that you have now to the event that occurred beforehand. In the case of the one Talmud Chacham, I say, actually, he already came before Shabbos. He already came before Shabbos. What was missing? What was missing? My knowledge, I just did it. In other words, the Talmud Chacham already arrived at his destination prior to Shabbos. So he was already in the east or in the west before Shabbos started. I didn't know. I didn't know. So I have to make two Eruvim to go ahead and, and cover my bases. But I will say, in reality, the Metzius was already known before Shabbos. It was already known before Shabbos. So the truth is, my, my Eruv was already actually locked in already before Shabbos. Because what I said is, look, I don't know which direction the Talmud Chacham is coming from. It turns out he was already in town in the east an hour before Shabbos. So I didn't even realize it, but already before Shabbos started, my Eruv to the east was already locked in. Not relying on the concept of Breira. So we'll say, see here you have it. Rabbi Huda does not subscribe to the concept of Breira. But also I just point out something that's just so fascinating. That if you look at the difference between these two situations, well, let, let's go back there. Sigma so says as follows. Now that we've established according to Rabbi Huda, there is no concept of Breira. Siva So we'll say, so remember again, this goes back to the whole discussion yesterday. Remember why Rabbi Huda did not want for there to be a collection box for obligatory bird offerings, right? What was his concern? Because you could have a case of chata shemesu ba'aleha, and ultimately, again, going ahead and just separating out some money from the collection box, 
and allocating that to the obligatory offering would rely on Brera. Rabbi Huda doesn't hold of Brera. Rabbi say, interestingly enough, if Rabbi Huda doesn't hold of Brera, he should re- rely on the efficacy of Ksiva. In other words, Rabbi say, let's, let's take a step back for just a moment. Why, why, why wouldn't Rabbi Huda just simply allow for two stands, back to Yom Kippur now for just a moment, two stands, two stands, on one stand right, Dam Hapar, on one stand right, Dam HaSoyer, and Shalom Al Yisrael. Just go ahead and have two stands. And there's no, because you have to rely on Breira, the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, so the, HaShamir Rabbi Yehuda, Ein Breira, HaKsiva Islei, Yom HaKippurim Nami Navitrei, V'Nichtov Alaihu. As we'll say, we were all concerned that Rabbi Yehuda ultimately maybe doesn't want to one or two stands because there's a concern of Breira getting mixed up with things. I don't understand. Why don't you just give a simple solution? Let there be two stands because it, it would appear that having two stands is definitely the easiest approach. And if you're concerned about getting things mixed up, just label them. Just label the stands. To which the Gemara says, why doesn't Rabbi Yudah laugh for two stands? Mishum chulsha the coin gadol lav adaite. Because I say we're concerned that even if you properly label the stands, there is so much happening on Yom Kippur. And the Kohen Gadol is fasting. That what could happen, because of Chulshe literally means his weakness. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, perhaps again, because he's fasting and he's tired, he's not going to pay attention to that which is written on the stand. And he may end up placing the wrong blood in the wrong stand. Look at Rashi. Lava daite le'eyune b'ksiva. And I will say, sometimes, even if you label things, right? Isn't this my simbachal yom? You might have things labeled milchiks and fleshiks, and you might have all color-coded and everything, and yet what ends up happening? You still end up washing the wrong thing. And that's after you had a full dinner, right? And that's after you're, right there, you're fully caffeinated and everything is fine. Again, people make mistakes. Allah has come of a come of the Kondodos running around, and really, literally running around. He's in, he's out, he's back and forth, everywhere. And by the way, he's the only person doing everything Rabbi Huda is concerned that even if you properly label the stands, he may go ahead and end up placing the wrong blood in the wrong place. So I will say, the way Rabbi Huda avoids that is essentially saying there's only one stand. If there's only one stand, then what? The truth is you never have both blood stationary at any particular time. And therefore, that's a greater, that, that assures at least a greater probability that Kohen Gadol is always using the right blood for the right aboda. I, the Gemara says, but one second. Because I will say, if you, if, see, I will say, here's what it really comes down to. Rabbi, the Gemara is suggesting Rabbi Huda's real concern is Mishum Chulsha de Koin Gadol Lav Adaite. Because the Koin Gadol is weakened, because again, he's fasting, he's doing all of the Avoda, he's not going to be as attentive, which I will say is so fascinating. Because if there's one thing we rely upon on Yom Kippur, it's what? It's what? The Koin Gadol's attentiveness. Right? But what it's saying is no one is ever fully attentive to everything all the time, 100%. In other words, there's always some level, there's always some possibility of human error. So therefore, the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda only wants one stand because we're concerned that because of the weakness of the coin Gadol, he's going to make a mistake and mix up the blood. So the Gemara says, this has to be Rabbi Huda's shita. Truth is, I will say, even if the stands are not labeled, it's kind of hard to confuse the blood of the par with the blood of the sa'ir. Why? Number one, high nafish v'hai zutar. 
Rebbe will say, there's a lot more Dam HaPar than there is Dam HaSoyer. It's just volume-wise, volume-wise, there was much more blood in the bowl of the Dam HaPar than there was the Dam HaSoyer. Well, maybe you'll say, no, well, maybe the coin God, maybe I'll say for Kabbalah, they only took a little bit of the blood of the par and not all of the blood. To which the Emissimate, maybe from a volume perspective, maybe there was a similar amount of Dama par, Dama Sawyer. That's not true, I'll tell you, the Gemara says. That's not true, Bosai, because again, when they did the Shechita, they were in Makaba, all of the Dam of the Par. Now, when we say all of the Dam, so remember again, that's the Dam Hanafesh. It's not literally all of the blood, but rather again, it's all of the blood that spurts out, the blood, the life blood that spurts out the Shechita. So, Rebosai, so therefore, again, the Gemara just says, it's really hard to confuse the Dam of the Par with the Dam of the Sawyer. Why? Because number one, there's a lot more damapar. Maybe you'll say, but one second, even if originally there's a lot more dam of the power in the bowl than dam of the sire, maybe some of the blood spills. So if you're looking from like a, um, a volume perspective, it could be that maybe they're the same, but still there's another distinction. So apparently it was like goat blood is, is, is uh, well, I should say it differently. So, so par blood is dark red, is dark red. Goat blood is light red. So what the Gemara is just suggesting is the probability and possibility of the coin Gadol getting confused, they're so different. They're so different. Number one, there's so much more par blood than seer blood. Number two, the par blood is dark red and the seer blood is light red. So I'll say, but rather, what is Rabbi Huda concerned about? Elo mishum chulshad the koin gadol lav adaite. Hachinami mishum chulshad the koin gadol lav adaite. So I'll say, ultimately, again, what Rabbi Huda's concern is like this: it's just that the koin gadol is weakened; he's running around, and therefore afraid of confusion. Rabbi Huda, so in Rabbi Huda's mind, the only way to avoid mixing up the blood is how one stand. Because I will say, what does one stand ensure? you always kind of have to know which blood you're holding on to, right? It forces you, it forces you to be attentive ultimately to the type of blood you're handling. So let's listen to this story. Amar, so let's listen to this. There was a particular, now this is talking, look at Rashi. Hahu shliach tzibar denachis kamei derava v'haya omer seid yom kippurim betfila kemoshan So you know, yom kippur is going to be much more special for us this year. Because I will say this year when we get to Bosaf and we do the Seder Ha'avoda, right? The Seder Ha'avoda. Seder, you will say some people, the first time they heard about Seder Ha'avoda was from Yishai Ribo. You know, when he, when he sang the song of Seder Ha'avoda, wow, it's so beautiful. Where did this come from? I've never seen this before. Yeah, we say it every single year, right? Every single year in Bosaf. Just I will say, to be honest, is like the most complicated part of Yom Kippur and the most fatigued ridden part of Yom Kippur. But I think this year, this year, I mean, that happens to be if you have if you have Yishai Ribo's Nigun in your ear, it's definitely incredible for the uh, for the Kavana as well. But I think this year it'll take on a much more heightened significance for us because we will actually know what it's talking about. We're going through the Avoda. So, so listen to this. So one year, one year, there was a Chazin who was davening. Musaf Yom Kippur in front of Rava. Do I write Musaf Yom Kippur in front of Rava? And remember, as part of Musaf Yom Kippur, right, he was going through the Seder Ha'avoda. And look how he phrased the Seder Ha'avoda. He said, Amar, he's speaking about the Kohen Gadol. Yatsa, the Kohen Gadol would emerge from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. 
Vehenicho al kan sheni shebehecho. And he placed the dam hapar on the second stand in the hecho. So right, in the Chazan's repetition over here, in his, in his re, or his recitation of the Avodah, he's making reference to a second stand, two stands, which are both says, the opinion of who? The opinion of who? The Rabbanon, or the Tanakhama. Then he said, Notol dam hapar v'yeniach dam asayr. And then he said, the coin lifted up the dam hapar, and he put down the dam asayr, which makes it sound like what? Makes it sound like what? There's one stand. So he'll say, so Rabbi says to him, Amr Lei, Chad Bonan, the Chad V'Kerab Yehuda. says, Chazin, Chazin, make up your mind. Right? You, on one statement, you make it sound like the Rabbana, that there were two stands. And on the second statement, you made it sound like there was only one stand. So, so he says to him, Emo, Heniach Dam Hasoyer, Benatol Dam Hapar. So therefore, Rabbi tells him the proper way to go ahead and, the proper way to go ahead and recite this, Ultimately, is to say that he went ahead and he placed down the Dam HaSoyer and picked up the Dam HaPar, which I will say, ultimately, I'll quote to you from the Rambam. Quote to you from the Rambam. Just a moment here. Sorry. So the Rambam Paskins, the Rambam Paskins like this, in fact, in the Halach over here, and the Rambam says, find this for you. So the Rambam writes, he says, all right, he said, you know what the truth is, I'll tell you this outside. He goes and he explains that halacha lamaisa, we paskin in fact like the, like the Rabbanon, and halacha lamaisa, there were in fact two stands. There were two stands in the Beis HaMikdash which were labeled. They were labeled, one was labeled Dam Apar, one was labeled Dam HaSoyer, and ultimately, again, now both sides, now remember, practically, was the coin Godel ever holding both bloods together? No. No, he was never holding both bloods together. So remember again, if he picked up one, he was putting down the other. But Allah, 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 say again, there were two separate stands in the base of Mitzvah. So both sides are incredible. This brings to a close this, this sugya. I will point out that Rabbi Huda does not hold to the concept of Breira. That is clear that the Gemara is Paskin, but that's kind of like a side issue. We also know both say we Raman Paskin, ultimately again, in back in Shkalim, that there was no collection box for obligatory bird offerings that, that we did see beforehand. And then Halach HaLamaisa, for Yom Kippur perspective, there were two stands in the Mikdash, one marked Dam HaPar, one marked Dam HaSar. Incredible. Both sides go a little bit weiter. Tan I'm sorry. So remember again, the Kohen Gadol is doing two acts of sprinkling. One act of sprinkling in, inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, one outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim corresponding to the curtain. In other words, what he does inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim corresponding to the Aron, he does the same thing outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim corresponding to the curtain. So it says, the Gemara Tan Rabbanon, the Chein Yaseli Oal Moed, the Pasuk says, so shall he do in the Oal Moed, what is that Pasuk teaching us? Keshem Shemaza Lifnai Velifnim, Kach Maza Behechol, the same way, as I just said before, the same way that he sprinkles the blood, inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, this is the same way, it's the same way that he sprinkles inside of the Beis HaMikdosh as well. I should say, in the Hecha Abosah means, outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, inside of the Kodesh, facing the curtain. Just like inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he does one above, seven below, 
So he does the same thing in the Heichal as well. And the same way that inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he does one above and seven below of the Dam HaSoyer, he does the same thing in the Heichal as well. So we'll say, let's end off with this. This is so beautiful. The Pasuk says that the Rebona Shal Olam resides with us. She resides with us. Resides with us, even in the midst of our tumma. So the Gemara says, This is so beautiful. Last line in Vavam Even when we are tame, ultimately the Shechina resides with us. We'll say, Is that not the ultimate message of hope? Even when we are tame, ultimately again the Shechina resides with us. We'll say, Let's just finish. There was a tztuki who said to Rabbi Hanina, listen to this, this top of Nun Zayin, top of Nun Zayin, Hashta bari asun. So this tztuki said to Rabbi Hanina, you know, your God has left you. Your God has left you. Why? Because you're all tmein. Look at Rashi. Hashta bari vaday tmein asun ve'ein shechina b'neichem shorim betuma. Right? So ultimately, again, this tztuki said to Rabbi Hanina, your God does not reside with you anymore. Why not your tummy? Your tummy, there's no way that your God resides with you. At the end of the day, your tummy. After all, the chsiv, tumaseha, It will say very profound from Eicha. When the Navi describes the disgraced Yerushalayim, it describes that her tuma is on the hem of her dress. The idea that her tuma is apparent to all. So this Tzaduki said to Rabbi Hanina, your God, your God, who is the embodiment of Tara, who is the embodiment of purity, the embodiment of goodness, has surely forsaken you because now you are all so tummy. To which Rabbi Hanina responds, Amrlei, Rabbi Hanina says back to him, Rabbi Hanina says back to him, Amrlei, so Rabbi Hanina refers this tzaduki ultimately again to this pasuk. What does the pasuk say? itam Look what the pasuk says. Our God resides with us even in the midst of our tumah. Even when we are tamei, the shechina resides with us. So we'll say this is what Rabbi Hanina counted to the tzaduki. So we'll say I'll just mention. It's interesting, the Lashon of Hashochin Itam Besoch Tumasam. Right? So the Pasuka just said, Hashochin Itam what? Bitumasam. Bitumasam. Why Besoch? Besoch means in the midst of our Tumas. So of course, it could be on one hand, on one hand, that Besoch Tumasam means even when we are so Shakua Bituma, even when we are mamish, like, you know, you could be like a Shtik Tamei. And you could be very tummy, right? A person could go ahead and touch a sheretz. I am just using, I'm using that scripture. Or a person could touch a, t- a corpse. Two different types of tumor. Perhaps the Pasuk is saying is, even when you are enmeshed and immersed in tumor, even when you are totally consumed by tumor, besoch tumor sum, ultimately, again, the ribano shal olam is with us. It doesn't matter how defiled you become. It doesn't matter how compromised I allow myself to become. It doesn't matter how enveloped of Tuma I may be, the Ribono Shal Olam never leaves my side. No matter how badly I mess up in life, no matter, this is the great anomaly of our relationship with Hashem, no matter how much I leave Him, 
no matter how much I distance myself from him, he, the Ribbana Shalol and the Melech Machayam Lachim, never leaves me, even if it's Pesok to my son. But perhaps it could also mean like this, that why is it that the Ribbana Shalol never leaves us, even when we're Tameh? Because of us, Hashachin Itam, Pesok to my son. See, because the Ribbana Shalol is able to see what is Pesok to my son. And I will say, what happens when you look into the Tumah of a Jew? When you look into the Tumah, when you go beneath all of the surfaces of Tumah, what do you find? What do you find? Beautiful Tara. Beautiful Tara. A beautiful Neshama. A beautiful Neshama. Because there is no such thing as a Jew who doesn't possess holiness. There is no such thing as a Jew who doesn't possess goodness. There is no such thing as a Jew who doesn't possess luminescent Kedusha. Just sometimes it's buried underneath a lot of layers. And the world doesn't see it. And sometimes even my loved ones don't see it. Sometimes no one could see it. But at the end of the day, Hashokhin itam besoch tomasam. The reason the Rebbe never leaves us is because he sees besoch tomasam inside all of that toma, beneath all of that toma, is something worth saving, is something holy, is something beautiful. The Ribbono Olam sees it. We just have to have the koach to see it within ourselves and ultimately to be able to see it in the other as well. Shkarech Abosei will stop over here. We'll pick up at Mirza Hashem Tapam Nanzayin tomorrow. Shkoyach.